Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Jonathan V. Last. And Jonathan, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are engaged in the political fight that I see so many Republicans either A, wincing over or cheering onward, the fight over sexism and the Clinton legacy. Who's going to win this fight, in your opinion, Jonathan? Uh, Well, with luck, it would be some Republican not named Donald Trump (laughs) who who sees that you can do these sorts of things. I mean, I would say if you look at Donald Trump quasi objectively, which I try to do, uh, this is part of what makes him so interesting as a political commodity that he's not afraid of his own shadow. He's not afraid to see these angles, which are the types of things that, you know, if you Republican strategists talk about when they're in the comfort of their own homes, uh, you know, like sipping on a brand, they say, boy, it'd be great if we could throw Bill Clinton's sexual picadillos back at Hillary, wouldn't (laughs) But then an actual campaign comes around and nobody who is a respectable respectable Republican would dare to do that sort of thing. Um, But Trump isn't a particularly respectable Republican and he's happy to do it. And the truth is, it's pretty effective, I think. And that's the question that I think people have is, is it effective? You know, I lived through the 90s. I wrote a book called Clinton and Me, How Eight Years of a Pants-Free President Changed My Nation, My Family, My Life. I know these stories inside and out. And I've been convinced that Americans just didn't want to hear it anymore, that they were just over it. They liked Bill Clinton because the economy was good in the 90s. They don't care that he had nothing to do with that fact. They don't care about that it was just the, the luck of the timing. They don't care. They just like Bill Clinton, period. And this is a big uh, loser for the GOP. You know, I, but the problem is that Bill Clinton isn't running for president, and if he, and and people don't like his wife very much, and they never have, truthfully. Uh, she's never been nearly as popular as he was, uh, and if this helps neutralize him a little bit and highlight her shortcomings, even relative to him, and highlight all of the things that people already don't like about her, which is that she's completely mercenary, that she'll say whatever she she needs to say, that you can't trust her about anything. I think that's all to the good, and I mean, you do look at back and you look at 2008 and the, the McCain campaign literally this is literally true had a ban on people saying Jeremiah Wright's name mm-hmm. within the campaign so if you worked for the campaign you could not go on CNN and say the name Jeremiah Wright, which is insane. It's right. political malpractice. But this is sort of how people you – know, they, they think, oh, well, we're respectable and we don't want to alienate too many – You know, the 5% of independents who might still be persuadable. And then if the New York Times editorial page comes down on us and blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, what Trump has always done, and I think this is smart and I think the other candidates ought to learn from it, is that you can seize the initiative with some of these things and that you can fight pretty hard and you can say the things which ought to be sayable, but which people convince themselves that to be respectable, they must not say. There are so many low points in American journalism since 2007, 2008, but one of the lowest has to be watching the CNN reporters, alleged reporters, interviewing people on Trump's comments saying, what are you talking about uh, Clinton's uh, sexual harassments and assault? What are you talking? They they literally, Jonathan, act like you don't, they don't know what the guests mean when they bring up (laughs) Bill Clinton's legacy, a legacy for which, by the way, he was in fact uh, forced to pay eight hundred fifty thousand dollars and lost his law license over. Right, he's just barred over this, right? Behavior. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, look, in fairness to some people, uh, this is we live in a world where Twitter has made everybody forget anything that happened before, like fifteen minutes ago. And so 2007 does seem like really far away. Away, the idea of like 1999 might as well be like 
Pearl Harbor time. That's, that's like literally the prelude to World War II. Um, didn't they have like newsreels and they had just gotten colored talkies that you, know, that you could see at the film theaters uh, back in 1999? So, yeah, I get that. But it's, as I said, anything that neutralizes and makes the Clintons explain and have to dismiss those things is good. Because understand that the media was going to run cover for them no matter what. Right. There is no appeasing the New York Times editorial page. There is no way to... To, to sort of, you know, gild the lily so that you, you really still preserve yourself from, you know, from whatever the Washington Post and your Times is going to say about you. Um, whoever the Republican nominee is, even if it's John Kasich, he's going to be painted as the most dangerous conservative in the history of the <laughs> Republic. And there will be, you know, George W., even George W. Bush would look at John Kasich today and think, right. this is not my Republican Party. So you might as well actually get your licks in. So That's what are the licks? Case. So what are the smart licks to get in? Because, you know, the the argument is, well, Bill Clinton, this is a, she, she, Hillary didn't cheat with anybody. Hillary didn't get impeached. What does this got to do with Hillary? Well, no, so what it does is it, it highlights how untrustworthy she is, right? I mean, this is, in, in a, the reason I think this is smart is because it isn't about sex, it isn't about women's rights, or it isn't about harassment or any of that stuff. It's about the underlying concern that voters already have with Hillary. Now, I think if you're Hillary Clinton, your theory of the campaign is that people don't like you, they don't necessarily trust you, but they view you as tough and competent, and they're willing to swallow all that other stuff and vote for you as sort of a 21st century Nixon. I think that they, you know, they, Hillary's people would never say that out loud, but I think that's really their theory of the election. Um, what this does is it makes that pill bigger and harder to swallow. And I think that that's good. That's actually, that is what Republicans should be trying to do uh, at the same time that they are trying to sell their own vision of what the, how, how the country could be improved. Uh, and I think, again, I, I'm all credit to Trump. I think he's the only guy who you know, is willing to say this sort of thing. But I hope that he's instructive. In the way that he has been instructive, I hope, to the rest of the Republican field with how they should not go turtle you know, the first time they say right. something that then gets pushed back against. Okay, by I want to run two uh, 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 ideas by two uh, uh, licks, as you said, by you and see what you think. The first lick is the Paula Jones lick, which goes like this. This poor six-buck-an-hour state employee gets hauled up to Governor Clinton's office. He you know, dr- drops pants, whips out the little chief, and says, literally, kiss it. Hillary Clinton stood on the side of the abusive, powerful guy against the poor $6-an-hour employee. That's everything you need to know about what Hillary Clinton really thinks of feminism and speaking truth to power. When the power's on her side, she will literally crush a 6 buck an hour secretary if she has to. Does that, does that work, Jonathan? Yeah, I think it does. And this is and again, it's of a piece with everything. It's of a piece exactly. with her it's coziness with Wall Street. You know, she she wants to have both sides of everything. She wants to be with the Elizabeth Warren side of the party, uh, but also, you know, on the Wall Street side. She only took the money from Wall Street because it was post 9-11, you know, all that. <laughs> exactly, of course. And I think the more the more you can expose these contradictions, the more you're getting at her fundamental problems and weaknesses as a candidate. Uh, and that's why, I mean, you've seen this. Uh, my boss Bill Crystal mentions this in his editorial this week. Uh, maybe the most striking political development of 2015 was the total reversal in her favorability numbers, where she went from, I think it was net plus 11 to nine. It's now like uh, minus 12 or something like that, almost a 30 point swing. Um, And this is, this is the more you can continue that momentum and remind people what it is that they don't like about her, uh, the better off you are. Okay. Here's my second lick, which is 
For those of for those of you old enough to remember the '90s and what a headache you had listening to people justify Bill Clinton's unjustifiable behavior, does the phrase "orgy island" mean anything to you, Jeffrey Epstein, and the, all of the scandals that Bill Clinton has engaged in since leaving office? And if you make Hillary your you know nominee slash president, you are going to have to go through this embarrassing. You know, era where you have to turn the TV off if your kids are in the room when the nightly news comes on. Let's don't do it again. We did it once already. Vote Republican. It's like the prospect of getting back together with some old ex-girlfriend that you've basically forgotten about. And, you know, then all of a sudden she shows up at a party right. and you think, well, I don't know, you know, she's kind of cute. And then you remember all the crazy stuff and <laughs> exactly. all the fights. And you say, you know what? I'm just going to head home a little early tonight by myself. And I, I think that there is something of that with the Clintons that you have to understand that Maureen Dowd wrote a column about this years ago. Uh, I think it was actually during the 2008 campaign that one of the things you have to reconcile yourself to if you're going to vote for Hillary Clinton is returning to that world because it all comes together. I mean, Sid Blumenthal doesn't go away. Exactly. You know, Bill Clinton doesn't go away. Uh, and now, unfortunately, if Donald Trump is the nominee, I would say you're not really getting a fair trade on that. You, you really pick your poison. <laughs> but if you get a, you know, somebody who is a more normal politician, a Ted Cruz, a Marco Rubio, a Chris Christie, uh, even God help us, a Jeff Bush, you are going to get somebody who is more like a conventional politician with more like a conventional political world that you can watch the evening news without, you know, without telling your kids they have to go to the next room. All I want is an election in my lifetime, Jonathan, that isn't about people working through their personal issues. I just just want an old fashioned, you know, I was a state rep and then I was whatever, a congressman. And then I, you know, can't we do that? But no, no, no. It's got to be, you know, Bill had mommy issues. uh, W had daddy issues. Obama wrote books about daddy issues. Hillary has husband issues. I just want just a, I I want the plumber of politics to show up. You know know what? what? Let Let me tell you this, Michael. You have one shot at that. I think oh. you have one shot in a normal election because what that requires is two Gen X candidates it, yep. as the party nominees. We are on our last gasp of the baby boomers with Obama, maybe Hillary. She's a boomer. She would be the last boomer president if she were elected. Then you probably have one cycle or maybe two before you get the leading edge of the millennials running. Right. And the millennials are like the boomers, but worse. <laughs> I, I agree with and you. As so these... if you can get a single gener- a single election with two Gen X candidates, then you might just might get a reasonably normal uh, race with two reasonably normal human beings. As the Otherwise, son, as the son of boomers and the parent of millennials, I couldn't agree with you more. Jonathan Last, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You got it, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.